I want to dive into the Word uh, this morning. We're in a series called The Path to the Cross. And if I had to, and, and we do have a title for these three-part series, Preparation Purpose. Today is The Passion. Say that with me, The Passion. How many of you saw the movie The Passion? Most of you. It's a pretty incredible, incredible movie. If I could have a subtitle to this this morning, it would be the greatest week, the greatest week in history, the greatest week in history. The passion really is about, uh, I was talking to Craig about this and he related it to, J.O., have you ever heard of spring break? Well, sure. It's a week of spring break. Well, the passion is something like that, but it, it definitely is not a spring break. But it is about a week. It's about the week before Jesus was crucified. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, that, that word passion in late uh, Latin actually means passionum. It means enduring and it means suffering. All the Greek forms denote suffering and or, listen, something being done to a person. Okay? That's where we get this word the passion and the week that you hear. The root of the word also contains applications where the word was used in an intense desire. The root word of passion expresses the idea of being moved to action where there is pain and suffering. Well, the path to the cross was absolutely a passion week because Jesus was moved in the area to take on pain and suffering for you and I. I want to read a scripture and then we're going to pray. Acts 1 3. Acts 1 3. I want to get it up there before. There you go. I want you to see that because I put it in parentheses a little bit. It says, To whom also presented himself alive after his, look, miracles? No. After his resurrection? No. No. After his sufferings, after his sufferings by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So uh, I think this is a very, very, very special week. What I hope to do today is, and I want to throw a challenge out there to every one of you to read Matthew 21 through 28 this week. If you would maybe write that down or take a note in your head or write it on your heart, read Matthew 21 through 28. We're going to cover some of those chapters today, especially 21 through 26. It's kind of like, everyone say this with me, estimate. estimate. Say that with me real good. You got to feel me on that, estimate. I want to give you an estimate of the last week of Jesus. And I say that estimate because uh, I'm going to use some of the chapters, 21 through 26. I'm going to go by Jesus.org in this estimated timeline by a, a doctor who wrote it out. But what I ran into at times, Matthew will speak of something and then Mark will speak on it. Well, this happened in the morning. So it doesn't break down always in the Gospels of the day. So I'm going to have an estimated timeline of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Everyone say estimate. Is that okay? 
I don't want to say, hey, bar none, this is exactly, because I'm going to go from what I, what I see and what I've read is estimated, and it could be absolutely spot on by, by this gentleman. Uh, his name is Dr. Doug Bookman, but I wanted to just make sure that it's an estimate of the time, because then I'm going to bounce at times and just go through the chapters there in Matthew. But it's, it's what, I, what I hope to do is cover the timeline of this Passion Week and uh, allow the Holy Spirit just to breathe on areas. Whenever I feel like the Holy Spirit breathes on an area when I'm preaching, I go to that fire. So that time, sometimes my preaching lasts a lot longer because I'm just going to go to the fire. And if I don't make it all the way through, I'd rather go to the fire. Amen. So I just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. So, Holy Spirit, we just pray and ask for your direction and your course this morning, even as we talk about this most famous, greatest week of all time, the passion. Father, that you would download in us what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for every believer in this place, what Jesus did for the unbeliever this morning. If someone in here is an unbeliever, maybe they've walked away from you, I pray, God, that they would come to the realization, the awakening of what you've done, how much you love them. Father, even going into next weekend on Good Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Father, we just ask that you would move and transform us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Sunday. Say that with me, Sunday. The triumph entry. That's what we celebrate today. Put your palms in the air like this. Palm Sunday, right? Now, they use real palms. We don't have real palms in northern Idaho when it rained and snowed yesterday, amen? But we do have these palms. Matthew 21, 2 says this, saying to them, go to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And then verse 21, 5 says, tell the daughter of Zion, this is a a prophetic uh, message that's been transferred from Zechariah 9.9 out of the Old Testament. The Old Testament holds hundreds of prophecy pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah. This is one of them out of Zechariah 9.9. You're going to see Matthew kind of echo it. It says this, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. I want you to see this word this morning. Lowly. Say that with me, lowly. I, I want to give you the Strong's definition of what I found uh, for that word lowly because our king that we worship is a different king. Our king is king of an upside-down kingdom compared to this world. Our king does things differently than the kings of this world. He comes lowly, the full it says this, and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Everyone, how many of you believe that Jesus comes in a different, kind of a different spirit than the rest of the kings that we are accustomed to? Every king of Israel, the Bible says, if I'm not mistaken, was an evil king. And most of the kings of Judah was evil also, but not Jesus. And he comes representing an upside down kingdom if you Want, you give. If you want to live, you die. I mean, it's just an upside down kingdom. And I want to read to you what that king looks like when it talks about 
lowly. Say that word with me again, lowly. Just listen to this this morning, lowly. Humble, meek, mildness of disposition, gentleness in spirit. Just listen about Jesus, our king. King of, by the way, all kings. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. Listen to this. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than own strength to defend them against injustice. Thus, meekness toward evil people means knowing God is permitting, this is radical, the injuries they inflict, that he is using them to purify his elect and that he will deliver his elect in his time. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It steams from the trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. How many of you know that it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit? How many of you know that it must be a work of the Holy Spirit? We can't do that on ourselves. When someone comes after me, you know what I want to do? I want to put my boxing gloves on. I want to say it's on like Donkey Kong. I want to protect. And this is not Jesus. He's the one that came lowly. He's the king of an upside-down, wonderful kingdom that is an unworldly kingdom. It's not like the world. Once again, an upside-down kingdom because this king chose an unworldly path to the cross. The disciples did not even get this. I think the disciples was looking for a king that was going to restore the kingdom of Israel and had in their mind what their king should look like. You have uh, in your mind what a king should look like. You probably have in your mind what Jesus should act like and look like. Look at Acts 1.6. It says this, Therefore, when they came, had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? The disciples are interested in the kingdom of Israel. They wanted a kingdom set up on earth, a king, worldly power, but his kingdom is that of love, is that of joy. His kingdom is about peace and kindness, long-suffering. Say that with me. Long-suffering. Say that with me again. Long-suffering. Wow. That's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Long. I like to, I like to stretch out long because it's long-suffering. And Jesus was interested in that kingdom when the disciples and I think others was interested in a kingdom that, 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 that was made of a food and drink and gold and robes. But that was not the, the kingdom that Jesus was interested in. He was interested in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the good news, the kingdom of the gospel. Matthew 21, 9, behind me, it says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, This is what's taking place. On this day, thousands of years ago, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and all of a sudden they say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna! Hosanna! Here we go. Uh, uh, in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, that Hosanna would be, save, 
Save us. Save us. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us, oh God. Save us. Hosanna in the highest with their palm branches. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Oh, save. Oh, save. Oh, save. Look at Luke, the the gospel of Luke. I love this because uh, it is very challenging uh, when it comes to our worship and our praise because uh, those around the Pharisees, what have you, was trying to get the disciples to shut up because they're talking to this, uh, uh, this one that they did not recognize as the Messiah, as God in the flesh, and he's trying to shut them down. And look what it says in, in Luke 19, 39 through 40. And some of the Pharisees called him Jesus, called him from the crowd, Jesus Rebuke your disciples. They're like, man, you're taking on this praise. I mean, who are you? But he answered and said to them, listen to this. I tell you that if these, should we sing it today? I tell you that if these should keep silent, listen, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, let me challenge you. Go ahead, come to a gathering and stay quiet. Go ahead. Because if you don't worship him, somebody will. If you don't worship him, somebody's going to make you feel uncomfortable in heart of the city church, and that's okay. That's a good uncomfortability. That's not even a word, isn't it? I just made up a word. That's okay. That's a good uncomfortableness. That you stand there with your hands in your pocket while everybody worships him and praise him. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what your theological background is, what denomination you came out of. I'm telling you Bible today, the rocks are going to cry out. If you stay silent, if you stay, because why, J.O.? Why would you pick on that right there? You don't know my temperament. I'm a little quiet. I'm a little shy, but he's still worthy of of all the worship and all the praise and all the glory because he's the king of all kings. He's the king of all kings, and we celebrate him next week. Now, I know I might be hitting you a little hard this morning, but I'm telling you, strongholds, wrong mindsets in the area of worship need to be broken and demolished in our mind because he is worthy of all of our worship. Now! If you worship him with all your heart and your hands is in your pocket, I'm not here to judge that. Well, go ahead and worship him with all your heart, with your hands in your pocket. But my point is, is that Jesus says, hey, the rocks are going to cry out. Someone else will praise him. Don't not praise him because of your tradition. The Bible says the traditions of man makes the word of God of no effect. Do not not worship him because of tradition. Do not not worship him because of pride or what someone's going to think around you. Do not not worship him because of manliness. Ah, man, uh, I don't know if men should do that or just, you know. Wow. You know what men do? Real men praise God. Now, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But real men praise God. Just look at David, a man after God's own heart. See, this is why I won't get done with this sermon today, because I'll get on a little rabbit box, a little soapbox, and I'm going to preach it. 
I'm going to preach it because somebody needs to hear about that this morning in this gathering. Amen. Don't allow your, man, don't allow your temperament to not worship Jesus. Are we in agreement? Amen. Now, I encourage you the next time you have a, a chance, if it's in your car, or if it's in the morning, I was singing old school this morning, walking my dog. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Before most of y'all were born. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full of praise. Be exalted, O oh Lord, my God. Hosanna in the highest. How many of y'all remember that song? You're more my age. Bunch of, young, bunch of young folk. Are you with me today? Jesus, wow. Ah, forget the time. I'm not going to get done. I'm just going to preach what I can. Is that all right? Jesus cleans. He comes and cleanses the temple out for the second time. Matthew 21, 12 through 13. Still on Sunday. We just on Sunday. We just on Sunday. We, we just on Sunday, Matthew 21, 12 through 13, and Jesus went to the temple and God and uh, the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, look, it is written. Oh, this is good. It is written. Say that with me. It is written. <laughs> My house shall be called a what? House of prayer. Oh, wow. That's another thing that God wants us to do. Isn't it cool that next week we have these different opportunities for corporate prayer? My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. How many of you know that God wants us, I'm going to break it down right here, from the natural into the spiritual. How many of you know that God wants to clean our temples? How many of you know that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of you maybe 10 years ago went through and, 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 and picked weeds out of your yard or you threw some, uh, you know, grass feed and weed kill and 10 years ago you went through your garden and you plucked some, some weeds and you, you just had your, maybe 10, 8 years ago, you had your yard and garden looking good. Anybody ever done anything like that before? Just raise your hand. How many of you know that eight years ago ain't good enough? <laughs> How many of you can prophesy with your eyes open that you're going to have some weeds in your yard this year and some stinking moss in northern Idaho? Huh? How many of you know that's going to happen this year? How many of you know, I'm glad that you did it eight years ago and 10 years ago, but how many of you know you need to pluck the weeds out of your heart today? How many know you need to get the moss off your heart today? How many know you need to put some Holy Spirit weed killer in there today? Come on, come on. How, how many know you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tend your heart? God wants to cleanse your temple today. This is a great week. And I'm not just talking about today going into Easter Resurrection Sunday. But while we are going into that next beautiful weekend, I might as well preach that. That is a great week. To get your temple cleansed. Come on. Jesus, man, he's just flipping tables, man. Woo! Going to cleanse the temple. Going to turn over these money changers. The Bible says, Matthew 6, 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Come on, watch what you, watch what you see. Watch what you hear. Watch where your eyes go. Watch where your hands go. Watch where your feet goes. Come on, somebody. God wants to cleanse our temple. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. For this is the will of God. I like that. For this, you want to know the will of God? You want to know the will of God? Well, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just read it right now. For this is the will of God. You ready? Your sanctification. That you would abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in his matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us, look, to uncleanness, but, can somebody, can, oh, it's not behind me? Oh, that. That's good. I could hesitate all day unless you're there. <laughs> to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Let the Holy Spirit just come. Do a little scrub-a-dub-dub. Are you with me today? Cleanse. It's a great week for that, isn't it? You know why? Because any week is a great week for that. <laughs> Every day is a great day. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will. Oh, 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 you got to at least memorize that one. For they will. How many want to see God? They will see. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How beautiful is that? And as soon as he cleansed the temple, I want you to look what took place. I wonder how many signs and wonders would follow a clean temple. I don't know. I don't know, because God's grace and his mercy. But as soon as he cleansed the temple, look what took place in Matthew 21, 14. Look what it says. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Bam. Cleansing and then healing. Isn't that beautiful? Everyone say Monday. He goes by fig tree. Look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, fig tree. Because, see, you, 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 you think I'm talking about a fig tree right now, and I'm not talking about a fig tree. You think Jesus really cared about a fig tree? Honestly, you think Jesus really cared? About, was he not talking to me and you? He walks to a fig tree. He looks on the fig tree. It ain't got no, come on, it ain't got no fruit. Let me shuffle some of the leaves. Ain't no fruit on this tree. Wow, what's he do? He curses it. Somebody say Monday. And then the book of Mark, it says they're coming back through there on Tuesday. And he walks up to the fig tree and he begins to, I mean, it's an amazing teaching of what took place. Now, I got to tell you, this, this teaching is very simple. Let me just tell you, dig deep, dig theologically deep. What do I think that Jesus is trying to teach us here? A fig tree is supposed to have what on it? Figs. Everyone say figs. We had a big fig tree in the back of our yard in South Carolina, right? Humongous fig tree. And a fig tree is supposed to have figs on it. So it doesn't have figs. He curses it, right? What should be hanging on our tree? 
fruit. Shuffle your leaves around. Come on. There should be fruit hanging on your tree, right? Because it's scary if we're not fruitful. Because what does Jesus do? It's an amazing teaching on faith and on declaring. This is what he does, Matthew 21 through 20, uh, 21 through 22. You'll also find this in Mark 11 and 20. This is where I say Tuesday morning from Mark. Listen to what he does. Jesus answered and said to them, Surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, because they walked by it that morning, and guess what? The fig tree was just, just all shrunk up and dead. When God curses you, you better watch out. You know what I'm saying? He can just shrink it up like that. Just Surely I say to you, if your faith if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, whatever that mountain is, what is that mountain? I think you identify the mountain and you speak to the mountain. Okay? Sometimes we just be praying over the mountain. Lord, just pray, pray over the mountain, pray over the mountain. Jesus, he said, speak to it. Say to the mountain, say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. <laughs> say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. No more sickness, no more dying. Death has lost its sting. When we come together in one accord, we give praises to our king. Ha, ha. Giant slaying, we're expecting the defeat of the enemy. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, giants got to flee. When you say unto the mountain, be thou removed. Come on. That's, that's. That's some old school Kim Clement right there, yo. Old school. Say unto the mountain. I think it's a beautiful teaching. This is Jesus. This is, this is not J.O. Don't get mad at me. This is cold red Jesus teaching. Surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will uh, not only do what I have done to the fig tree, but you will also say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. It will be done. And I love this. This is very powerful and very stretching. And whatever things you ask in prayer, look, believing, say that with me, believing, you will receive. I don't know about you, but that stretches me. That stretches my faith. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight and not by the report and not by things I feel and see and smell. I, I got to walk by faith, believing when you pray, receiving. That's a great lesson in faith, isn't it? This is what Jesus is doing the week. I'm still on Sunday, man. No, I'm on Monday. No, I'm on Tuesday. I'm on Tuesday. Praise God. <laughs> see, I told you estimated. This is, a, this is what Jesus is doing on his path to the cross. Declaration, say, prayer, believing, receiving. And then in Matthew 21 through 23 through 27, I'm just going to start rattling off like a, like a rifle. Can I do that? 
Just, you know, Holy Spirit, stop me on whatever. Chief priests and elders, his authority, he's attested in his authority. Just, they come and test him. He has a parable about two sons and a parable about uh, wicked vineyards and vine dressers. And in the Matthew 22, a parable on the wedding feast. And uh, Pharisees question him and their disciples and the, the Herodians about taxes. This is a good time to be tested on taxes, right? What's April 15th? Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, should we pay our taxes? And I love Jesus, man. He'll just, he is so extremely wise. He knew what to say, when to say it. He said this, they said to him, Caesar's, because whose face was on the coin was Caesar's. And look what, what took place. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And I tell you, that can be very stretching during this time of the season, amen. But you know what? We still should do it, every bit of it. Why? Because Jesus challenges us to do it. Ah, uh, J.L., I don't like what they're doing with my money. I don't like, you know, I'm an independent kind of Idahoan, you know what I'm saying? I'm just not going to pay. Uh, I just say, code red, just listen to Jesus. Amen. You don't have to agree with me, but you are being disobedient to the word of God. Just, just say it. The Sadducees, he runs into them, and they talk about resurrection. He taught on the greatest commandment. And then chapter 23, man, he hits pretty hard with the woes. Seven woes. Woe. You don't enter the kingdom of God nor let others. Woe. Woe, you, you make people chill. These are religious people that he's talking about here. Woe, you are blind leaders. Woe, you tithe and neglect justice. Whoa, you clean uh, the outside, but the inside is dirty. Whoa, white tombs, dead inside. Whoa, you're the ones who killed the prophets, sad about an unrepented uh, Jerusalem. And then you see him in uh, Matthew 23, 37. He's weeping over Jerusalem. Not a whole lot, kind of a silent Wednesday, according to the, the timeline that I got from this gentleman. And then uh, uh, Matthew 24 predicts the temple's destruction, signs of the end of age, the great tribulation, the coming of the Son of Man, uh, a parable about the fig tree. He talks about no one knows the day or the hour. I was going to read that. I don't have time for that this morning. He talks about the faithful servant, the evil servant. He talks about the wise and the foolish virgins. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. Keep your lamp Trimmed and burning, keep your lamp trimmed and burning. See what the Lord has done. What do you mean by that, Jail? There was virgins there that had no oil. Come on, somebody. You need the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh let me say that again. The oil, the oil, Holy Spirit. You need your vessel full of the Holy Spirit so that you can be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me today? Look at this, Matthew 26, 1 and 2. Listen to this real good. Listen. You with me? Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples. It's almost like Jesus said all these things. It's like, I got a, t I got a, I got a week. That's why you ought to read 21 through 26 or 28 this week. I got a week. I just need to share all these things because I know what's about to happen to me. I just need to download this into the disciples. I need to go and rebuke these Pharisees and Sadducees. I need to get this out. I, I just need to discuss all these things 
before I'm crucified. And he just through the week. Come on, somebody say the passion. Then beautiful anointing, the woman comes in with the alabaster. Are you talking about passionate? She was a passion nut. Breaks the alabaster. Let's down her hair, cries, scrubs his feet. Disciples are slamming on her, people around her. And Jesus is like, hey, she's anointing me for burial. Then you have on Thursday, you have Judas departs and Jesus institutes the Last Supper. Listen to this. He breaks, he blesses the bread. I mean, say that with me. He blesses it. He breaks the bread and then he gives it. And you watch that in your life. He'll bless you. He'll break you. And then he'll give you. Okay? Because he's concerned about the world around us that doesn't know Jesus Christ. He'll bless you. And he'll continue to bless you. He's a, he's a blesser. But there's areas that he'll break us in. And then he'll distribute us so that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Peter's like, man, I'll go to... I'll go to the death with you. And... No, you won't. No, you won't. Jesus knew what was in every man and every woman. A girl challenges Peter. Another girl challenges Peter. Dudes challenge Peter. Then he just begins to weep bitterly. In one of the Gospels during that time, Jesus' eyes catches Peter's eyes. Can you just imagine what Peter felt like from the eyes of Jesus? I guarantee you he still felt love from Jesus and acceptance from Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you know, you most of you remember the kiss of betrayal by Judas. And now we're already fast forward into Friday. He goes through about six trials. Annas. And then he's be before the Sahedron. And he's there before uh, Pilate and Herod and Pilate. All these different trials. Jesus. And then the suffering gets really, 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 really bad. You're probably going to hear a lot about that next Friday night. Everyone say Friday night. Friday. Next Friday is Good Friday. Why is this week called Passion <laughs> and Friday was so good about next Friday? I understand what it means about the Passion, why it's called Good Friday. Maybe a theologian can tell me because I don't see very much good about it. I see what good's coming. Praise God, Sunday's coming. But what's so good about how he was spit on the thorns, how he was lashed on his back for your healing. Why do we have healing teams? Because his slashing on his back was not in vain. His slashing on his back went through the covenant. His slashing on his back was for you and I believers, maybe, and of course unbelievers too. I don't think you have to be believers to get healed supernaturally. 
but we can stand upon the slashing of his back that went through the covenant where the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed. The, the crown of thorns on his head, those, those thorns, I believe, absolutely is there for those who struggle with mental illness, challenges in your thinking and your mind. The nails for every place your hand goes where it shouldn't. Feet, every place your feet takes you that it should not. The blood, side, for every backstabbing that you've done or someone's done towards you. All this suffering, the passion, the weak, all for who? For me and you. We're going to talk about that more next Friday, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Saturday night and Sunday. Sunday, death was arrested. Amen. I know it sounds serious when you talk about these things, but I have to be very frank and honest with you. It is very serious. It's not a laughing matter for what Jesus did for me and you. I mean, it's the most serious and the greatest, loving, most wonderful thing that's ever taken place on the face of the earth.